it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Or it's just the same old, same old all over again. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principal Policy, and along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. Well, Barry, to you and to our audience, Happy New Year. Yes. Um, this is January 2nd, twenty. 20- 21. 21. That's right. Or the 13th month of 2020, yeah. depending on your outlook. Now, you said the best of times, the worst of times. That's, yes. that's from A Tale of Two Cities. That's right. Charles Dickens. Charles Dickens. Yep. And I would say it was the worst of times. It was the worst of times. Well, there I, were good things that happened uh, in 2020. I, and I'm sure that there are many who would hold that same opinion with you, Chuck. But we have to understand something. And you and I especially, because we look at it from a biblical perspective. Romans 8.28 promises that all things work together that, for the exactly. good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Okay? All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Folks, that little last part of that phrase in Romans 8.28 means believers in Christ Jesus, everything that happens around us is fulfilling God's perfect plan for the end of the age, for the new heavens and the new earth, the new Jerusalem, for all things to be recreated new. Part of the reason why I've been somewhat optimistic, and I'll admit, I've had my moments of depression. Sure. I've had my moments of frustration. I've had my moments of, well, I would never say resignation or defeat. But I've had frustrations, and I've been depressed about a lot of the stuff that's been going on in 2020. But ultimately... It's all working out. And you know, and I've said this before on this program, Chuck, you've heard me numerous times say this, that I see God's hand in a lot of things where he's making corrections for us because we are either too obtuse or too stubborn to do so ourselves. Yeah, I, I agree with uh, that. Yeah. that. That I believe a number of the idols that we have set up in our culture. It's funny, my wife and I have had a long conversation here over the last month about idols the idols we set up in our own lives the idols we set up in our partners the idols we set up everybody has these dreams of you know the great american dream well that's an idol folks i mean come on you know we're never content with what we have right and we always want something better and if something doesn't work out the way we want it it's bad but that's not god's view god's view is this is all working out exactly according to my perfect Let me emphasize that word, perfect plan. Now, we may not like it. It may be uncomfortable. It may cause us to have to do things. The biggest thing I think that it does, Chuck, is it causes us to challenge some of our own assumptions about what we believe about God, what we believe about justice, what we believe about fairness. Don't even get me started on the fairness thing. And what we believe about how we should work together in society. Now, we are called, as believers, to be wise as serpents, as innocent as doves, to understand the times and know what we should do, and to basically parse things by the scriptures. You know, we study to show ourselves, approve a workman who can rightly divide the word of truth. And that idea of dividing it doesn't mean splitting it and saying this one says this and that one says that, and so therefore they're in contradiction to each other. And hey, look at me, I've shown you where the contradiction. That's not what that means. Right. Rightly dividing the word truth means rightly applying it to the circumstances that you find yourself in. That's right. It's an equity. 
Yes, it is. It's an equity statement. In other words, Paul makes this clear when he talks about uh, do not deny the ox who's treading his grain. That's right. And what that means, and he applied it to pay your pastors. Paying the pastors, that's right. And how does that apply to pay your pastors? Well, the ox who's grinding the grain is the pastor. Yeah. He is doing the work of the kingdom. He's feeding you because... Have you ever tried to just eat whole grain, Chuck? Um, and I don't mean the whole grain where they crack it and make it into bread and everything, but just like grabbing a handful of like wheat kernels and chewing them up. And you know what? That's in the Bible as well. If you think about it, Jesus and the disciples were chastised for on the Sabbath taking wheats of grain and grinding them in their hand <laughs> in their right. hands and eating the uh, the ground up the ground up grain. The ground up grain. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It um, is. So it th- you think about that you, and you apply it that direction. All biblical law, you know, when you hear all the nonsense about, well, do you think shrimp, you should stop eating shrimp because well, because the Bible forbids it? And I said the Bible forbade it for a specific purpose at a specific time. Right. If you go to Acts, I think it's Acts maybe 10. Yes, that, where Paul has the vision of the of Paul the blanket the opening up blank. and having all the the, the it's, it's animals Peter. there. Peter, yeah, Peter. excuse me, not Paul. Peter, you yes. knew that. I, I know you just. I you just misspoke. Mis- I just misspoke. I know you know that scripture. Take Peter, kill and eat. Not I, Lord. I uh, have never touched anything unclean. What God has made clean, do not construe as unclean. The fact is, all biblical law has an equity. And the equity in that particular thing was the dietary laws were not designed to do this or that or another thing. It was to set his people apart. What's the equity in that? We're still to be set apart. Be in the world, not of the world. That's right. That is a statement of the laws which Christ has fulfilled. Yeah, amen. Yes, absolutely. Christ has fulfilled those laws. Therefore, we need to be set apart. Right. And yet... We still need to be here among the people. True. How many people misconstrue, don't hang out with the pagans? Well, what that means is don't hang out with the pagans and do what the pagans do. Don't be like them. Don't Don't, be like them. If the pagans are out smoking, drinking, carousing, and uh, fornicating, that doesn't mean that you should be smoking, drinking, and and carousing, and fornicating in order to make them like you. Yeah, you can't evangelize someone by basically becoming exactly like them in their sin. And you can't and you can't point out somebody's sin by engaging. <laughs> I mean, that no. just really doesn't work it, very it, well. It's a yeah, as an object <laughs> lesson, it doesn't work. No. So <laughs> we have to think in terms of equity in biblical law. Right. And that is probably one of the most important things a New Testament Christian can understand mm-hmm. is that the law, all those laws are not passed away. Some of them are fulfilled. Absolutely. And now, uh, what what aren't fulfilled? It, it's, well, it's, it's the laws on basic basic behavior. Well, sure, absolutely. Now, Chuck, going back to the example you used about, well, can you not eat? Well, I look at them and say, well, it's not against the law for me to eat shellfish, but having done some study on the if, what shellfish actually consume in order to grow, yeah. <laughs> and um, some of the things that. Um, they can transmit, I have chosen personally wisely not to consume shellfish. Yeah, and that's a that's Because a there's a, there's a yeah. general equity provision to all of God's laws. Yep. 
all of the commandments, all of the demands, all of the restrictions that God gave to the people of Israel in that Old Testament, which most people like, you know, cut their Bible like two thirds and one third, and they throw the two thirds away and keep the one third and say they're New Testament Christians, which you just said. I don't buy that. I'm not a New Testament Christian. I'm a Christian, period, because God works the same yesterday, today, and forever, Old Testament to New Testament. And in that Old Testament, those Old Testament laws, the general equity of those still apply. Absolutely. They're still good ideas. The whole idea about not eating shellfish is usually a generally good. And I know we're going to get a lot of people who love their shrimp and love their crab and love their uh, and love their oysters. I raised and my hand and is your, raised, and your yeah. hand is raised. I know because I know you and I have had this conversation. Before. In fact, I'm ha- this is a, we're doing this on Thursday. Yes, you're going to have we're, shellfish tonight. Aren't we're you? having a crab boil tonight. Yeah, it's New Year's Eve when we record this, and he's doing a crab boil. Well, does that make Chuck a pagan? Does that make him a wretched sinner? No, he's a wretched sinner because of because of his birth in the yes, first Adam. Exactly. But he's saved by grace by Christ Jesus, which means that there's no longer any spiritual issues with him consuming shellfish. And again, go back to Paul. All things are permissible. Well, not, not all things, things are, are benefitable. Are beneficial or That's profitable? Right. Yeah, I use Depends. the I use the old language. Yeah, profitable. So I don't believe, for me, after studying and thinking about it, I don't believe eating shellfish for me is profitable. And so therefore, I refrain from eating it. Now, am I stumbling a brother by not doing it? No, I'm not. I'm exercising my own due diligence in regard to basically looking after God's creation that he's given to me to steward, which is my own health, my own body. Now, I don't do such a great job of my own health. I mean, come on, I'm, I'm well overweight. I need to get that off. And the other things, but there are certain things that, you know, when you go back to the scriptures, you kind of look at it and like, okay, yeah, there's a good point there. Yeah, okay, let's divorce it from the keeping of the law for salvation idea, which has been abrogated by Christ. We no longer have to keep the law perfectly in order to measure up to God's standards because Christ measured up to God's standard and he became our substitutionary atonement right. on the cross, our po- the propitiation for our sins against a holy God. Not his own. He never. He was without sin. He took on our sins in order to save us from the wrath to come. Okay, and, there's and, one of and, those and, words, and, by the way. And so with that, we have a what I call a primary obligation to, if we call ourselves Christians, to delve into God's Word right. to figure out what a Christian is supposed to be doing and, well, not doing. I mean, Chuck, we've got Christians out there who believe that it's a Christian, that it's perfectly okay as a Christian to have an abortion or to support somebody else having an abortion. But what does God's Word say about it? God's Word says that the shedding of innocent blood is an abomination. Oh, that was in the Old Testament, though. But it still applies in the New Testament. That's right. The equity is still there. Because in Matthew 5, 17 and 18, if one jot or one tittle of the law is abrogated, it will not be abrogated until Christ comes again. And that's the whole point is we still have to live by the general equity of the law. When it says thou shall not kill, it means don't murder babies in the womb. Yes. Along with a number of other things it means as well. But that's one of the key ones. When it says you shall not covet, it means don't covet the idea of I can go out and be promiscuous and never have a consequence or responsibility out of that. There are tentacles that come off that, though, not not killing babies in the womb. Yes, there are. There are a lot of tentacles that come off. Don't elect representatives who support killing, who support babies, killing in babies in the womb. 
or even don't use products that use the aborted the product parts, the, the product parts. of a baby being killed in the womb. In other words, the tissues and the collagen and everything else that makeups and right pharmaceuticals and oh we'll get into talking about the vaccine here in a little bit yeah. folks but yeah, but the point is you have to stay away from those things as a believer now do they damage your position with god and your eternal salvation if you choose to ignore those things yeah they can absolutely because it's actually showing whether or not you actually are a believer or not or if you're supposed conversion salvation is actually false based on emotionalism based on what you believe and not what god's word says that's the reason why when those who came to christ said but lord lord we did all these things in your name we prophesied we did all this stuff and he looked at them and said go out de- from de- me depart from you me workers of iniquity i never knew i you. never knew you these are guys who are saying hey i'm doing this for the love of jesus christ da, 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 da. it's all for god it's all for christ and christ is saying you kind of missed it, didn't you? Yeah, we're going to love people so much that we disobey every command that God has because, after all, that's the way we'll get them in the church. Once we've got them in the church, then it doesn't matter really what their sin is. Do you really think that you're going to stand before a holy God and say at the judgment and say, well, yeah, I had two or three abortions, but I don't think that was a big deal, was it? Because, after all, I acknowledge you as my Savior. Now, there's an the, idea of repentance that has to be well, in there somewhere. Yes, unless you buy into the, a thing that was maybe 10 or 12 years ago was a big deal, and that is no lordship salvation. Yeah, okay. I just got you for Christmas. I, I, today, while we're recording this, I, I, this is the first time I've seen Chuck since before the holidays. So I got him his Christmas present. Where did I get you, Chuck? You, you what got, is it? <laughs> you got me the Encyclopedia of Heresies and Heretics. And I'm sure somewhere in there you're going to read something that's going to go along the lines yeah. of just exactly what you said has been going around as this is a current theme in Christianity. Absolutely. Because... There is nothing new under the sun, the scripture says, including the old heresies, which keep coming back around in different robes and different monikers with different faces, different masks on. But they're still the same old, same olds. They're still the same. I'm going to reject God for my human reason, and I think that's better, and God can't figure it out. Well, think about that. You used a word, by the way, that I, I almost interrupted. And, no, and you should have. Go ahead. The word was propitiation. Mm-hmm. This is one of those words that where non-Christians, and even some Christians go, what does that mean? And in fact, a lot of Christians hear it and 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 never ask, what does it mean? Propitiation means to assuage an angry God. That's right. With an offering of some kind generally in in christianity it's a sacrifice it's a sacrifice of praise and a sacrifice of repentance but how do you do it who's our propitiation you praise and you worship and you accept jesus christ who was the propitiation that's right the acceptance of christ is the act of repentance and the acceptance of his son as the one who has already paid the price the demand price the demand price for sin is death the shedding of blood absolutely now chuck you know and you think about this too today in modern parlance in some churches i won't say in all because in some no. of them they don't ever do this anymore but in some churches we continually remind ourselves of that propitiation of sharing by taking of communion yes because it reminds us that christ's flesh was rent his blood was spilled on our behalf to cover our sins 
taking the wrath of God upon himself to cover us from the wrath to come. We can't ask for that. So, so and I kinda, that's kind of where I'm going to this whole thing of it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Things may look bleak out here. You turn on the news, and I don't care if you watch CNN, Fox News, or you're like us and you look at things like Dan Bongino or the Epoch Times or Breitbart News or any number number or the the mainstream media. All you're going to hear out there is humanistic spin of how things are just getting worse and worse and worse and how it's just so horrid and how all this stuff is falling apart and there's no rhyme or reason to it or... That, you know, somehow like this grand cabal is smarter than God, and they've figured out the way to basically overthrow even God himself. Well, you know, the last time people tried to overthrow God himself, Chuck, if you remember, I think it was in Scripture, it was in that Old Testament, so maybe some people have forgotten about it. But it was when Nimrod and company all got together, and they decided that they were so smart, and they were so advanced that uh, they could build a tower that could reach to heaven itself. Yep, And they were going to put a throne up on the top of that tower so that the king, whether that be Nimrod or somebody else, could basically ascend to the heavens and seat themselves on the high throne to be God. How'd that work out for him? Not so well. We're talking English today instead of Aramaic or it, Old Hebrew because of it. But, <laughs> but. Yeah. Think about it in terms of what you've been, the theme you've you've talked about, you, we opened sure. with. Yeah. The fact is, as disastrous as that would have been, you think about it, everybody on earth is gathered into one place and speaks a single language. language. Right. What did God do? He scattered them mm-hmm. throughout the whole world. Right. And he confused their language. Yes, he did. You think that maybe we're experiencing a Tower of Babel moment in the <laughs> 21st century, Chuck? Uh, because the thought has crossed my mind more than once that because of all of our technology and our globalization and our uni- trying to unify currencies and unify uh, all the means of communication and even trying to get unto a, you know, a single unit of currency and a single language, that maybe God's saying, y'all didn't learn your lesson yet. Yeah, God is smashing that. And the fact is, has that was that good for the world or bad for the world? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the is Go- yes. Going with your theme, the answer is yes. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. For those who had the plan, it was the worst of times because it got totally thwarted. But for those in the future generations who would benefit from having that specialization, having that uh, diaspora, if you will, they are were able to thrive in different ways and come back to the knowledge of God himself rather than their own knowledge, which was leading them completely astray. How could God have sent his son from a chosen people, a specific Mm -hmm. chosen people, if he had not split off groups of people so that they they could become, that one group could become chosen, and then that morphed into the chosen group mean, being those whom he called to himself. Right. It went from being uh, racial to some extent, although if you look at it, uh, well, you, you can't, can, you can't can, say racial. Can, can but, I back you up and let's not yeah. say racial because there's only one race. Ethnic. Ethnic. That's, even that's a even much that more doesn't really point. work because all the people in the Middle East are essentially cousins. Uh, if you look at it, 
Well, that, ultimately, we all are essentially yeah. cousins. <laughs> there are there <laughs> are how, there are multiple groups that count themselves offspring of Abraham. Yes, absolutely. The Ishmaelites, the the you know. Well, that yeah. would be the and that would the Ishmaelites would be the today's Muslims. Yeah. Uh there are the Jews. There are a number of Gentiles who believe that that's part of it because you yeah. know if you go all the way back to to Noah, the sons of Shem, Ham, and, and Japheth. Yeah. So and, and, and those all Semites, separate out. Semites yes. are the descendants of Shem, and mm-hmm. actually they come in all kinds of shapes and colors. The the Shemites, they're mm-hmm. you know people tend to think of them as Middle Eastern. They're they're from all over the place, uh, North Africa, uh, Asia. Some of them got up into Europe, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the Caucasus region. So they're they're all shapes, colors, sizes, yep, um, all that stuff. So it's not really racial. You're right, ethnic uh, racial is bad is a bad term. There aren't really any races. There is one race. It's a human one race. race. It's the human. Actually, there are two. There are the saved and the unsaved. Well, yeah, and I, but we don't even consider them races. There are two classes in the one race. In the one race, they're, they're yeah, saved. Yeah. There are the saved and then the, from the a, unsaved. From a realistic standpoint, right. that, That's correct. But the fact is that that God used uh, things that would have been disastrous to yes. do his own the work that he he wishes to get done yep um and what's going on right now well folks this is god's way of saying you've been doing it wrong and i want you to do it right what what and you're right the whole idol thing my wife and i have been talking about this as well and we we talked about it in terms of sports i've talked about it with a couple of my son-in-laws who are big sports fanatics i am not uh, I was always a book guy, a book and uh, mechanical things guy. I didn't care much for sports. Um, I mean, I'd love to sit down and watch a good baseball game or a football game. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you put soccer on TV, and I'm guaranteed to go watch a YouTube video on, on something interesting, uh, like military history or something else. I'm, uh, I w- my, my daughter's played soccer, and frankly, I'd rather have a sharp stick in the eye than have to sit all, all the way. I did take my daughter to a crew game once. Uh, we won the tickets at a <laughs> we won the tickets at a Clippers game. <laughs> yep. Well, hey, that's great. There you go. So, um, and I did pay for that. Um, the crew crew tickets were free. The Clippers tickets I paid for because um, I enjoyed it. And I still love sitting out there at the park. I, I like the old park, uh, but that's getting off the topic. Um, you know, are are there bad things that happen in ministry? But that's the way God brooms things out. There's a developing story now about uh, Ravi Zacharias, if you're paying any attention at all. And, and since his yes, death, I've been hearing some it, of that. It's ugly. Um, it's really ugly. Uh, did his ministry do wonderful things? Yeah, it helped people to do things like uh, it provided scholarships for people who wanted to study Arabic so they could go into the Arabic world and do uh, um, evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if you're interested in that, Dr. James White out of uh, Alpha and Omega Ministries did a broadcast on that. And he, he was, like, very crestfallen because he had gotten a, uh, a scholarship to study Arabic. Uh, at Ravi Zaya, Zacharias Ministries International mm-hmm. did a lot of language training for people who wanted to go to Arab countries, to India, because he's originally uh, Indian. Um and uh, the for the uh it's looking like uh, everything he's accused of it, he did and more i mean the final report isn't out yet 
but essentially the preliminary report says it's as bad as you've heard and worse. Yep. Um, so that being said, um, RVZI is probably dead in the water, very sadly. Mm-hmm, because I, I always like Ravi Zacharias, except for the fact, now he w- he got invited to some of Sproul's, uh, R.C. Sproul's uh, Ligonier Ministries conferences, and he spoke, and he, and he, he did very good apologetic work, or really evangelical, but uh, also apologetic work. Um, and he was at some of the conferences and sat in on some of the question and answer sessions, but that's been several years ago. Uh, but he, he would not come around. Now, uh, it's no secret here that Barry and I are Calvinists. Or I prefer to think. Yeah, 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 no. I prefer, to, I prefer the, the term reformed. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with either one. Yeah. Um, you can even tag the uh, moniker crazy onto the front of mine. Crazy, crazy Calvinist. Calvinist. Yeah. I don't mind that either. <laughs> but uh, Robbie Zacharias would never come around to, although he would espouse things that were clearly reformed in origin. He never came around to being a a reformed uh, believer, and that's fine. Uh, is he saved? Uh, yeah, probably. I, I would think that he is. He professed Christ. He did all this the work for Christ. Uh, did he have a sin problem? Oh, he had a ma- apparently had a major one. Uh, had mostly to do with uh, um, sexual sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, that being said, does that mean that, that uh, his ticket didn't get punched? Uh, I don't know, and I'm not here. I'm not the one who gets to decide. I've, I, I've, have you ever had that somebody? Well, you just want to make sure that everybody goes to to he double hockey sticks, right? You get the thing. You're just judgmental. You want, and I said, you know what? Yeah. I've had people in my family who are homosexual and they said you just want to make sure and i said you know what if it was up to me if i got to write the rules everybody'd get in yeah but you don't get to write the rules i don't get to write the rules god wrote the rules and he decides and the fact is that he's laid them out and now does that mean that somebody who's involved in a sexual sin who who uh can't pull away from a habitual sin is necessarily, you know, works and repents of it and walks away and then gets caught back in it, is that person necessarily uh, condemned permanently? I don't know. I don't think so. No, but those who basically... Overcome, yeah. But those who revel in it and then basically try to change Scripture to say... They want to change the rules. that, that That they can engage in... And I love this because, you know, we're going through this right now in our denomination where we've, we're having a number of issues with that particular area of area sin. Area of sin, yeah. Where people are basically saying is, I can have the attraction as long as I don't act out on it. And it's like, but the point is, if you never act out on it, then you're not a homosexual. Because it's the act of the sex itself the that act. creates the sin. Right. Now, they would say, well, but, but, but I'm tempted, but... Uh, well, that's right. So was Christ was tempted in all things, but he was without sin. But you're identifying using the nomenclature. See, that's the whole idea of the reason why we use the nomenclature of Christian, which means we identify with Christ. If you use the nomenclature of the term homosexual, that means you identify with sex with the same, same per- gender. Sex, same yeah, gender's gender. a bad gender's a bad term. No, that's same act- same sex. Yeah, yeah, I know. And that's all it's all freaky now with the whole idea yeah. of gender because Gen- we don't well, we can't we can't seem to make up our mind on what a gender actually is. Believe it is. or not, gender only goes with language. 
That's true. I, I, um, I'll give you that. Sex, so that's, sex that's a good point. Is sex is the is the correct is really the correct use of the term? Okay, think about this. If if the case is that you're tempted, yeah, and uh, but you don't act on it. If you see a a through no fault of her own, a, a woman who is beautiful, not flaunting it or anything, and and but there are women who are just simply the kind of woman that you see her and you go, uh, wow. Okay. Um, is it tempting? Yes. Did you do anything about it? No. Of course not. You simply took note of the fact that that was an exceptionally attractive woman. Um, and does that make me a sinner? I don't think so. Now, if, if you go beyond that and you start thinking of scenarios, yeah. et cetera, or having Thought what's indeed. wishful thinking... Are you now sinning? Yes, you are now sinning because Christ said to look on a woman after her with lust in your heart is committing adultery, and adultery is a violation of the Ten Commandments. Yes, exactly. So, again, a lot of these things are you have to parse biblically. Right. And I don't want to go too far down this road. Right, we can but, go, yeah. Yeah, because we could be down in the... We could do a ten-part series. We could be in on. this lane for a while. <laughs> but, uh, but the whole point is, is that because there is a temptation put in front of you does not mean that you have to entertain the temptation. You know? And it gets down to the whole idea of what is stronger in you, your faith or your flesh? Paul wrestled with that every day. Every day, yeah. Your faith or your flesh, that's what it gets down to. You know, if if I'm someone who likes sweets and somebody sets a, a uh, box of chocolates in front of me, guess what, Chuck? I don't like chocolates that much. I can walk away from that. They set a pumpkin pie down there. I'm in trouble <laughs> because that's a temptation for me because I like pumpkin pie. But if you set a box of chocolates down in front of me or um, those sugar-coated candy gumball, I don't care for that stuff. If you put a bowl of peppermints i'm definitely walking away from it i don't like mint in any form (laughs) but the point is those are generally my weaknesses for sweets but i'm discerning among those sweets but that's the whole point is it's the question of is my flesh controlling or is my faith controlling me am i can am i controlled by the spirit of god and the, the holy spirit in how I respond to those temptations. Now, okay, Chuck, it, it's beyond temptations. We have temptations. We have trials. We have tribulations. Those are things God said we were going to have. Yeah. All of those. I, I, call them, I call them the big T's. Trials, tribulations, temptations. You're going to have all of them in your you life. You can't avoid it. And you have to respond one of two ways. You have to respond. Okay, there is no not responding to these. Trials, tribulations, and temptations all have to have a response. The question is, is your response going to be from your flesh or from your faith? Which one are you building more? Which one are you exercising more? Which one are you letting have heal more? Which one is pulling your cart? Your flesh or your faith? That's the reason why I started this whole program, Chuck, with it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. There you go. If your faith is pulling your cart... 
it's still the best of times because everything's working according to God's plan, regardless of whether we like it or not, regardless of whether uh, you know folks like Mike DeWine or Fauci or Andrew Cuomo or whoever it might be out there that is 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 spinning all of this is trying to do stupid things that we would consider stupid. They would consider that they're being they're the height of Christian charity, Chuck, because they're trying to keep people from dying. But are they? That's the question. Well, the, yeah, it, it, because there's more than one way to die. You can die physically, or you can die spiritually. I'd say with a lot of people the the trials of losing your business, locking yourself up, being locked up inside a house, not being able to go out without feeling like you're some kind of pariah because you refuse to wear a piece of cloth over your nose. That does nothing. That does nothing. Yeah, and we can go into that, but we can show you data on that. Yeah. Um, that's crushing spiritually to people. It's the reason why the incidences of depression are higher right now. I even told you, I, I dealt with some of that. Suicide the, way up. The suicide, yeah, suicidal ideations and attempts and completions yeah. are all up significantly. Um, why are our, Why are we worried about our unemployment uh, reserves being depleted? Well, when somebody in authority waves a magic wand and shuts everybody down or tells you you can't op, your business yeah. can't operate, but yours can, there's a problem here. But, again, even all these things work together. Yeah. Perhaps the reason why that little business doesn't, doesn't succeed is because God's decided that they've got something even better for that person in the future. And that business would have locked them in to a myopic view and not been able to see the panorama that God wants them to be able to engage in for his purposes. Perhaps that little mom-pop store that shuts down on in January turns into a ministry in June or turns into another business that actually is more successful and is doing something that actually moves the kingdom forward even farther. Think about it in these terms. How many movie theaters are going to be left in business after uh, when we shut down again? Because that's going to happen. When we shut down again and basically movie theaters are closed for another six months or Mm -hmm. year, how many of them are going to be left? Well, probably not more than a handful. It's sort of like the old drive-in theaters, not more than a That's handful. That's right. It'll be, it'll be drive-ins. And what, how's Hollywood going to... Oh, gonna... but, but see, there's your whole point. What's happened from the 1950s to now? The drive-ins have almost disappeared like the dinosaurs. Right. But because of this new change and the way we're now doing things, do you think you're going to see opportunities where people are going to be buying land and putting up these big inflatable started. screens? And they're already starting. So there are new opportunities for people to come and... Exactly. And meet those demands, and I'm not going to call them needs, Chuck, because nobody needs to go to a movie, okay? We get we get confused in our American right. culture between needs and wants. Wants. Yeah. Okay. There will be people who will step in to supply the wants, okay? Entrepreneurial people who will figure it out. I know, I'll tell you this, last summer I ran across, I went to the step, driving through rural West Virginia, saw this little thrift store, junk shop. Go and start talking to the guy. He's got a big back lot, and what he was doing on the weekends is he got one of those big blow-up screens. Yeah. And he was running movies for the kids in the neighborhood. So what happened? The MPAA shut uh, him uh, down. Shut yeah. him down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, oh, you're running those, blah, 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 you can't do that. 
he was doing it so that the kids in the neighborhood weren't out basically causing trouble. Yeah. The parents could bring them there. You know, he, he had like playground equipment and everything else. The kids could sit there. He was playing kids' movies on a big screen on a weekend so that parents could have some time to go do yeah. something to strengthen their families. And the kids, and he, it was him and his wife and his mother and a few others that owned this place. I mean, it was a fantastic idea. It had a little concession stand where they were selling stuff for dirt cheap, you know, nickel, dot, the old days kind of prices. Right. Because it was keeping in the theme with his little antique slash thrift slash yeah. flea market junk shop. It was a beautiful idea until some until somebody who's greedy comes in and says, well, you can't do that because we're not getting any profit off of it. Why didn't they say, you know, if you pay us... A hundred dollar license fee, or maybe. Oh no, no, they could have paid a license fee, but it was like four hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, it's absurd per showing. Yeah, not per movie. Right. Per every time they showed it. You know what? I'm, and he's like, we're not charging any money. All we make is the money off the concessions, and we don't barely make anything on that. This is kind of a we're doing this as a community service. Oh well, sorry about that. You can't be you can't be that altruistic. In, yeah. in the culture, I've been involved in buying licenses, and it's been my. It's been my experience that Christian movie companies who are selling the licenses for, you know, Christian movies that were out there right. are very reasonable. Yeah. Uh, you can show it this number of times uh, for uh, during this pe- this specific period for this amount of money. Right, exactly. And it's, and it's nominal. Yep. Um, there's a church out of Georgia, I think, that produces movies... Uh, I uh, can't can't think of the name of some, but I've. I've oh, you mean the Kendrick brothers that do like Fireproof and Fireproof yeah. was one of them, yeah. um, and all the other one facing the giants. Facing I think, the giants, yeah, uh, yeah. All, all those things. And it's reasonable Sher- price. Sherwood Baptist Church. That's the that's the one. Yeah, the uh, uh, what you've also breached here is that the copyright system is busted, which we don't want. It's really broken badly, which is why YouTube is is a uh, steaming cauldron of of. Uh, uh, just uh, essentially capricious uh, copyright strikes and that kind of thing. Um, the uh, but that's not really where I want to go. Okay. The MPAA sure. would rather die enforcing the rules than making the rules such that a small business like that, who's doing a community service, couldn't do that for a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Who's doing a community service? You know, charge them uh, for six months. Charge them five hundred bucks or a thousand bucks, and say you can show. Uh, give them a list of movies they can show, or have them make up a list, and then they dole the money out. They would rather put their head in the noose and kick the sticks that drop the floor out so that they die. Yeah, because that's what's happening to the movie industry. Well deserved, and there's a reason why God is allowing it to happen. If you think about it. What has Hollywood been doing to his church for decades? Decades. Pruning it. Yeah. Pruning it. Strengthening it. How do you strengthen? Hey, you were you were in horticulture and 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 grape research. That's right. Is your part of your biology your background? How do you strengthen a grapevine? You prune it. Prune it hard, too. You prune it hard. Uh, yeah. We just had that experience with apple trees in our yard. And we it pruned bears it. better once you prune them back hard we a couple times. We pruned it way back, and we got uncountable numbers of apples when we were getting 10 or 15 apples off two trees. We got probably 
hundreds yeah. off that tree. Had lots of apple crisp, which was very delicious out of that tree. But, those two trees. But the, again, that gets back to that whole That's idea. Right. How are we looking at... Tw- Everybody's breathing a sigh of relief now because 2020 is over. But the point is, there's no guarantee that 2021 is going to be better. It may not. It may be the same. It may be worse in a temporal sense. Yeah. But I predict that it will be. In a biblical sense, in a God's plan sense, every moment we move toward the culmination is a better moment, Chuck. It is a yes. it, it is it, it is a crescendoing moment that keeps repeating the crescendo and farther and farther because every step takes you closer to God's ultimate final plan, his purpose, which is new heaven and new earth, which is the last enemy to be destroyed is death itself. That's what we're moving toward, folks. And a bunch of politicians and a bunch of folks in white lab coats with a bunch of degrees behind their names are not going to be the ones who stop death. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who's doing it. And that's the big lie that even members of the church have bought into. Oh, yes. Uh, because the specialists and the polit- and the and our political leaders have told us this is the case, then we must follow it because they know the best for us. That's never been true. If they're not following God, if they're not actually truly Romans 13 magistrates, Chuck. That's right. Then what we're following is iniquity. We're following those who Christ is going to look at and say, go into outer darkness, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Yes, if you have, a, if you have people from the pulpit who are teaching you that in Romans 13, that submission means obedience in all in all things in all cases blind obedience blind obedience regardless of the circumstance is yes. not submission no it is not it is it's um it is uh, a slavish um dedication to follow the word of the civil magistrate over the word of god because when the civil magistrate oversteps the bounds of his office he is no longer uh he has long since stopped being a delegated authority because all authority on earth is limited and delegated. Who is it? Who's it delegated by? Mm-hmm. It's dedicated, delegated by Christ. The only truly unlimited authority is Christ. It is period. True. So when, what is submission then? Submission is the acknowledgement that the civil magistrate, whoever sits in that, whoever you pick a seat, uh, the, president uh congress the judges the uh governor the state legislature your county commissioner your uh your township trustee who matter he is a delegated authority who is supposed to be applying the law in a sense of biblical equity when he oversteps his bounds and comes onto your property and says you can't do this or you can't do that that god has clearly said no this is your property and you may do with it as you please and we can get into the. Uh, we've had discussions with people who were ultra libertarian on this, and and you know, if somebody's trying to open a gravel quarry right next door to your property, I mean, zoning laws do have a purpose. Nonetheless, um, if you've got someone saying that that uh, well, he's got the authority and therefore he can do it, he doesn't have the authority. His authority, all authorities, at least in our country, are limited by law. 
Yes, What's the law they're limited by? They're limited by the constitutions of yes, indeed. the specific governing entity. Uh, cities usually have a city charter, which sets the boundaries of uh, how the civil magistrate may act. In Ohio, we have a constitution that sets specific boundaries on where the uh, governor and the state legislature can go. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, the governor in this state has overstepped his bounds because we have a Bill of Rights in the Ohio Constitution. Now, is there a law that that says the governor can act to uh, to protect the population in a uh, in a pandemic? And the answer is yes. How does he allowed to do it? Specifically, he is allowed to quarantine those who are sick. This what, is true. What he is not allowed to do is quarantine those. Who are well. Yeah, but you wouldn't uh, know that from basically what they've tried to do, which is no. quarantine everybody. I've had people in my church who've told me, well, the governor says so, and, and the law is on his side. No, it is not. The law is not on his side. Yep. The law is on the side of the law-abiding and the well. Uh, our rights are protected. Now, this mask thing, uh, if you could prove scientifically that it actually did anything... You might have a point. But guess what? You can't prove it scientifically. In fact, the science, if you look at it uh, and study the places where the whole mask mandate thing has been basically uh, shoved aside, guess what? Their numbers are actually lower than ours where Mm. we have a mask mandate. Florida is lower than us. North Dakota is lower than us. Um, Imagine that. Some of the Nordic countries that uh, have been ignoring it have been, uh, you know, have voluntary masking and almost nobody's doing it and have not closed businesses and have not uh, done social distancing. Their numbers are lower than ours. Why? Because they're actually getting real herd immunity. And by the way, the CDC just changed the definition of herd immunity. Uh to vaccination. To vaccination. Which is garbage. Yeah, it's it's nonsense. Uh, can uh, vaccinations help get you to herd immunity? Yes. But herd immunity is when basically the odds of you uh, being exposed to the virus go down because there's either uh, immunity from having already gotten the virus or immunity from um, being exposed to other things which gave you immunity to the virus and mm-hmm. there's there is actually a lot of that yes despite what you're hearing they changed it to basically uh, herd immunity is man-made rather than natural that's right and guess what folks herd immunity is natural you can force it with vaccinations uh, i'm not an anti-vaxxer in most cases okay uh i'm i'm fine with polio vaccinations i'm fine with uh, for instance german measles vaccinations and those kinds of things because i've i've known people who had children when they got german measles in like the first trimester and uh, well and their children were born retarded Mm -hmm. so i don't have a problem with that you know god gave us wonderful medical technology where i get a little ouchy about it is places like um mumps why are we inoculating against the mumps the mumps is essentially how you uh form a primary uh uh, broad spectrum um, immunity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and while it's uncomfortable uh, and unpleasant, I had one-sided uh, mumps. I'm pretty sure when I was about 18 or 19 years old, and I didn't care for it. Uh, 
my my little brother had them uh, when he was little, like five or six years old, and he was uncomfortable for a couple weeks, but he pulled through it just fine. Um, my uh, um, it by avoiding giving the mumps, you don't develop the same kind of immunity immunity as you do with the vaccination. This is true. You don't get the long term immunity; you get a shorter term immunity, which right. is why they want you to come in and take an MMR um, booster every so often. Uh, tetanus shot. I get a tetanus shot about every. Well, I forget what it is now. I think the period's about ten years. I take that. Really, lockjaw is not something I, I I have seen lockjaw, and how it kills you. Uh, and I personally would like to avoid that. <laughs> I think I would too. Yes, I, I've I've heard about it. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, your muscles all essentially go so tense that your jaw breaks, and it's really an ugly thing to see. I, I've seen films of people who have lockjaw. Uh, lockjaw is just the name for it. All the muscles in your upper body sort of go tense, and you you can't relax them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, I, I have no problem with tetanus shot. I have no trouble with uh, again polio. Uh, certain things. If you're going overseas and you don't take some of the vaccines for, for instance, if I had a friend who served in Vietnam, he said they gave us a uh, a uh, bubonic plague vaccine. Uh huh. That was probably a very good idea. Um, since it's rampant still in those places. Um, you know, if you're going to go to Africa, there are things you should be taking a shot for. Mm, possibly, yes. Um, because the long-term effects are much worse than... But you know what? I've known people, everybody, you know, if you've been to Mexico to a uh, to one of the resorts. Okay. My brother went to the... Re- they had... American treated water, you know, they had a plant that treated it like, you know, to American standards. And, uh, you know, he did everything right. They didn't have any trouble. And he came home and he had an amoeba. Ouch. He's not the only one. Um, And it took months to get rid of that stupid thing. Uh, I think two rounds of antibiotics and it was a mess. Um, Nonetheless, um, I'm not anti-vax. I am against, uh, personally against, giving people a vaccination that's completely untested. Now, they say they've got complete testing. There's zero animal testing. There's zero long-term testing. You you have to make a decision. You're supposed to be given informed consent before you take a vaccination. You are not being given informed consent on this because they would tell you, uh, Yes, there are reports of serious side effects and reports of minor ones that you get with any vaccination. You know, uh, people passing out and people, you know, lowered blood pressure for a day or, you know, immune system uh, responses, of slight fever, that kind of thing. That kind of thing happens with, with almost any vaccination, um, which is can be a problem. But there are other things. There are uh, up to and including death. Uh, on this thing now it's yep. rare it's rare I'll, I'll be quite up front with you mm-hmm. and we might hear about this but the fact is that it's it's a frightening proposition point is we don't know we don't the, know we don't know what the potential downsides of this can be because it's not gone through enough testing in order to have longitudinal studies to determine whether or not injecting an mrna fragment into your live cells to have your body produce a virus uh, molecule 
so that then your body can turn around and attack it to give you the immunity is going to have long-term negative impacts. Yeah, it can. Yeah. And and honestly, that's where I that's where I'm just I'm not going to line up. Okay, folks, you see me coming. I'm unvaxxed. Yeah, okay? there you go. <laughs> you see me coming. I'm not wearing a mask. Yeah. You see me coming. Do you want to? You think I'm a super spreader? Well, you're wrong. I already had it. Yeah. I have the immunities. Sorry, folks. What are you going to do about me? I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to have a shot in the arm. I'm not spreading it. I have immunity to it. What about me? How does all of our lovely, standardized, everybody must bow the knee to big pharma and the big government, how do you deal with that? Well, here's the problem. Or, or, is, it, or is it the idea that we don't have any individual sovereignty or freedom left because you're scared that you might die from something you might die from anyway? Well, let me, every year you're going to, yeah. we got flu, we've got floods, we've got fires, we've got bugs, we've got killer hornets, we've got not well. so killer yellow jackets who can kill you, we've got honeybees that can kill you. There are all the ants, ticks. Uh, you know full well about the ticks because you, you. I've already had Lyme you, disease. You've I had, had Lyme. I had it last yeah. year, or yeah. in 2020. So, yeah. I mean, folks. If you want government and the pharmaceutical industry to protect you from everything that might kill you, go crawl in your basement, lock your doors, and stay there for the rest of your natural life because that's what they're going to do. Well, guess what? That'll kill you, too. <laughs> Imagine that. But the point is, is that if we live our lives not fearing, right, letting our faith be stronger than our flesh... I think we'll all get along. I think you'll see the whole idea of this coronavirus thing start plummeting to levels like the flu plummets to, where we still have the flu every year, Chuck, every season. Every year. And every year the CDC is trying to put out flu shots that are supposedly trying to catch up with whatever strain is out there this cycle, which they're guessing at. They're guessing. And they miss it more than they don't. That's just right. Like, just like the coronavirus. Oh, well, now we have the super coronavirus or the new strain. Of, there is no new there strain. There is no new strain, folks. It's a, it's a mutated, weakened okay. version of it that may be hitting certain people in different ways than the first strain hit. But by and large, are we going to run to government and we're going to run to the pharmaceutical industry to save us from something that is 99.97% survivable. At, at, our, at least at our age. I mean, it's higher than that at, at younger. It's, it's 90. I'm 90, 63. It's so. 97.4% survivable at the elderly ages. It's, yeah, around that. It's uh, oh, 70 and under. Yeah. It's, or 70 and over. It's 97.4. Between 70 yeah, and 80. And over 80, it's like 96. 96.2 or yeah, something like yeah. that. I mean, it's just, but the point, folks, if I'm if somebody said that I could put a dollar down against a thousand dollar pot and I've got a ninety six point two percent chance of winning, do you think I'm putting that dollar down? <laughs> Heck yes, you I'm betcha, putting that baby. dollar down. I want to see those odds but on the lottery. They, but then if they say, oh well, no, you have a ninety nine point seven percent chance of winning, I'm doubling down. I'll put two bucks down on that. There you go. I'll put ten. I when it gets real high, I do five. If it gets uh, super super high and that kind of odds. 
Ten, now, baby. Now I'll go. 10. Now the point is, is that if somebody put that hundred thousand dollar million dollar whatever that that pile is over there and said you need to put a dollar down oh and by the way if you hit that 0.3 percent or that 3.2 percent we shoot you and kill you immediately are you still going to put the money down i'll pass you might pass other people might put the money down like you know what i got a stronger yeah. i got a stronger probability of winning than i do of losing okay this brings up something that uh, we've touched on. We've kind of danced around it. I think in March or April, we did a show where we talked about technocracy. Yes, we did. Guess what, folks? You are seeing. Uh, nobody's talking about it except us. I've heard a couple other people talk about it. This is the technocratic movement. This is what it looks like when experts run the show. When the truth hurts your quest for power and control you simply lie mm -hmm. and we've been being lied to about these statistics now for months and months and months if you recall we're still operating on a model that was proven to be absolutely false and that was that uh i think it was king's college oxford yes we're operating on that that uh that particular model that talked about how many people were going to die Guess what? Um, it was completely false. The numbers were falsified. The guy who basically came up with the numbers was forced out of his job because he admitted that he made up some of the data. This is what we're dealing with. Fauci is a technocrat. If you recall, he was against masks in March, and all of a sudden he was for them in April. The CDC said masks don't do anything to stop viruses in March, and along about June, all of a sudden, masks were the answer. Masks are the answer to nothing. If it was a bacteria, yeah, you'd be right. Those do work. Uh, and you have to change your mask every few hours, because otherwise you accumulate the, the bacteria, and, and it will make you sick anyway. You know, we're almost out of time. Barry... We, uh, to, to show you that it's, we're not just talking to our hat, uh, we're members of a group called the Institute for Principal Policy. That's right. Uh, it is a fraction of what it was some years ago, but nonetheless, uh, our chairman was a man named Dr. Mark Hamilton, who was uh, yes. uh, the uh, professor of, he was an associate professor of philosophy at uh, uh, Ashland University yes, in, in Ashland, Ohio. He was pastor of Providence Church in uh, Ashland, Ohio. Um, and uh, he was a fine Christian gentleman, very active. I'm still running into people who are shocked he, he, this has happened to him, and that a uh, uh, number of years ago, Mark had... Uh, discovered he had hemochromatosis which is a genetic ailment and it causes you to build iron uh in your organs right and mark uh didn't discover it until he was almost dead right and he ended up having to have and a he, liver transplant he, he was in the hospital for five months he was in the hospital for five months he had a liver transplant he almost died twice i think there was a yes uh there was a stroke after the uh and he lost sight in one eye mm -hmm. yes. after the liver transplant because of blood clots and uh, for a number of years, he's been on immunosuppressants. Well, yes. unfortunately, I heard he was in the hospital about two days before he passed away. It was Tuesday before Christmas he went into the hospital. Yeah, and we, we didn't hear about it really. And, yeah, we heard about it on Wednesday, I think, or maybe I, Tuesday. I, I saw it like Wednesday morning from a Tuesday evening post, and 
informed you about it. So, so what you, uh, I'm did he die of complications of COVID? Yes, but yep. what was the underlying cause? The fact that he'd had an, a liver transplant and, and was, immunosuppressed. was on immunosuppressed. There are ways to deal with that, but Mark, I didn't hear about it in time, and we didn't get a chance to uh, talk to him. So, our condolences to Pat and the family for the yep. loss of Mark. Mark I can tell passed you. away on Sunday of last week. Of last and week. So, and they're having because of all the COVID stuff, they're having a private funeral. Uh, there's not going to be a funeral ceremony or anything of that nature. So, but uh, yeah, Mark was a uh, a very seminal force for the Policy Institute. And um, next week we'll be talking a lot more about his contributions to yeah. this because I think we need to. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, that being said, you know what we think. We want to know what you think, and we really do want to know what you think. Uh, we put these up, and you are free to comment. Uh, on our postings at www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And we ask that you join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.